This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. When in the field, accuracy and precision count. That's why we switch our slug guns to rifle barrels, tune our arrows, and use a fish finder on the water. But why should our drive for control end there? The Tappacue line of meat probes gives an instantaneous look at the temperatures of our prized meals, both internal and the cooking chamber. Tappacue uses sturdy hardware made and assembled here in the U.S., along with their user-friendly, sophisticated software that connects to your smart device. Whether it's a traditional corded probe or the new cordless air probes that give you a wealth of freedom where wires would just get in the way. Adding a Tappacue meat probe can significantly help in getting to that medium rare on venison or waterfowl, ensuring your upland bird stays moist, or even charting your long cooks on a smoker. Visit Tappacue.com or find the link in the show notes and use the code HUNT10, all uppercase, at checkout to save 10%. Adding a probe to your kit can make you one tap away from your cue. Welcome to the Hunt of War podcast, powered by Sportsman's Nation, where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 89, Chasing Public with Vincent Badiata and Audrey Hogue. On this episode of Huntivore, Nick is joined by Vincent Badiata and Audrey Hogue of Chasing Public. Together, they share their passion and motivation for the chase, go deep into a discussion about taking a life, and share some great stories and mishaps that turned into adventures. All this, and of course, some wild game talk on this episode of Huntivore. Well, hey, folks, beautiful evening here in Michigan. In fact, I would almost call it balmy. I think we got up to 37 degrees. And after a good few days of down into, I would say, single digits with wind chill and teens overnight, it it kind of felt really nice. I mean, I was almost like, I, you know, wearing the double jacket to work. And I was like, man, I don't I do not need this today. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't stick around too long because man, these past, this past week has been great for building ice and I'm getting very excited for getting out on some hard water, chasing some bluegills and filling up the freezer with some fillets. We're getting, we're getting low on the fillets and we need to, we need to bust those back. But, uh, tonight I'm joined with basically 
uh, an old classmate. Well, he was younger than I was, but at the same time, uh, we were we went to the same school, and it's just been fun to be able to catch up with him going all the way down to Tennessee and working his way back here into Michigan. I am joined with Vince Badiata and Audrey Hogue along the, uh, with him as well. They are the Chasing Public crew. Folks, hey, welcome back to Michigan. It's nice to see you up here. What's going on, man? Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Good deal. Good deal. Um, has this weather been a little bit of a, like a, a shock to you? I mean, you've been, you travel all over the place when it comes to hunting and it doesn't look like you're too adverse to anything, cold temperatures, or is this just one of those things like, you're like, all right, man, this is the new normal here that I got to get used to. Uh, well for me, probably not so much for Audrey (laughs) because she was here a lot longer than I was, but for me, uh, not a shock gosh dang it is cold outside and it's not even that cold like it was uh well the other day i think it got down to like what 15 or 17 or something like that and i was outside for like five minutes and it felt like my ear tips were like gonna break (laughs) off it was it was cold dude i just i i just had forgotten how cold it actually gets and it's we're getting ready to get into the real cold it's not even here yet so uh, but for her, I mean, you've, oh, only, uh, you've only been away from tennis or you only left for like a year or so. No, I'm just shy too. Yeah. But. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, it. good. I'm glad you guys are getting acclimated back to the yeah. there's something about winter that, you know, I really enjoy I it. it. And I this is the time that like the porters come out. So I got myself a super dark beer. I'm working with a New Holland poet here. I mean, yeah, you would be a, a beer connoisseur, wouldn't you? I am. I am. Now, I would drink Natty Lights and I will drink Bushes with anybody that wants to, but they happen to taste super good, like summertime. Like right now, mm-hmm. I need a pork chop in a glass. That's really what I need. <laughs> <laughs> Just something to sip on and enjoy. Yeah, the the alcohol content is, oh, it's pretty good. We're up to six, no, five, eight. So it's not terrible. But anyway, not terrible. not terrible. I'll get some loose questions in here. I'm sure as soon as the, as the level <laughs> goes down, I'll get some loose <laughs> questions. In. But uh, no, it's been great to uh, kind of just catch up with you guys a little bit. And I know like finding you on Instagram and then soon, like soon finding you on YouTube. It's been great to see like just a, a local person from our little town being Middleville Know, having the right. same passions for for being a sportsman, being in the outdoors, but at the same time, like trying to tell the world your story. <laughs> so yeah. from chasing the public's perspective, break it down a little bit for me. What's your guys's mission? What's your guys's purpose? What are you all about? Well, just to before I get into that, just to touch on what you just said a little bit about, you know, just seeing someone from our little local town. When I saw when I saw you do that, you had a, a podcast that came out. I was absolutely just blown. I was just blown away. I was like, Oh my gosh, I know that guy. I went to school with that guy. That dude is awesome. And he's the perfect guy for it. I love it. I, I got to check it out right away. So I was really happy when I saw that. So, you know, congrats to you and everything that you're doing. Um, as far as for uh, chasing public, you know, I've been thinking about, 
about this actually quite frequently here lately a lot. I didn't really give it too much thought before. Um, but I don't know, man. It's just, uh, you know, I grew up, you know, we grew up in a one stoplight town. I mean, hunting was like the thing, you know, so I, I, I can remember going to school and for the first time before I started hunting with my stepdad and the school was practically shut down like November 15th. There's like almost nobody there. Like the school plans for it. And it's, you know, every, you know, people show up later on and in camo and you see the gas stations are filled and it's just like, you know, so that's kind of always been with me. And then, you know, after I got in the military and I went to Tennessee and stuff and then, uh, I can remember being really unhappy and then trying to figure out why. And it all came back to, I haven't been hunting in a handful of years. And then I got back into it and then it just, the fire just lit, the fire just lit. And then, uh, as far as, uh, chasing public and how that came about, I just, the amount of public ground that's out there is, is unreal. I don't think people really realize how much they have at their fingertips of everything that they can do. They don't need to go and buy whatever they don't need. You don't need to get permission. You have everything around you. You just got to drive to it. It's there, you know, so it's endless chasing. And then the public is it's anywhere from, you know, hunting, hiking, fishing, backpacking, camping, um, you know, whatever you want. It's just, it's endless. So then, I started that and then it slowly evolved into, man, I really, I really enjoyed bow hunting. I really want to start, you know, filming it, catching stuff on camera. So then I started doing that and then started the YouTube and then now kind of life's kind of threw a wrench in it real quick. So then it kind of all went on pause, but there's a lot of good things coming. It's going to, it'll end up being a full on brand per se, but it's, it's coming. It's just, it takes time, you know? Amen. Amen. It's funny how like you have a hobby as in chasing that public, getting that, you know, seeking that happiness, that happy place where you were at and going to that. And then now to have a hobby about your hobby, I can definitely tell <laughs> you see right. that. Yeah. Stuff's got to yeah. go on the back burner and life is going to oh, be man. in the way. So, <clears throat> but no, it's, I'm glad to know that it's, it's one of those things you at least put on the back burner with aspirations to pick up because I know I'm getting excited. I've uh, I've already uh, subscribed onto your channel to go ahead and, and watch those. Those are on cue. You bet. Boom. We're going to watch those. You bet. Absolutely. Um, how did your seasons go this year? We're, oh. we're wrapping up the big game. We're wrapping up deer season. <laughs> Actually, it's been wrapped up and we're kind of in this transition mode as far as sportsmen's go. So this yep. is a great time for reflection. What was, oh, yeah. what was 2021 like for you guys? How deep do you want me to go? Oh man, we're in the weeds <laughs> here. I just started the Porter, so we got plenty of time. I know. Uh, well, I'll say this past season was definitely not like the season prior. Um, this season, and she can tell you about her side of it, but from my perspective, uh, I had a lot of fun. I'll put it that way. I had a lot of fun, but I, I had, a, we had a lot of like just pure adversity, just a ton of things. Every time 
something really, really great was about to happen, something <laughs> else got in the way. Something really, really great was going to happen, something else got in the way. We had so many good encounters um, with, it, it, it seemed like every deer that I had a good encounter with would have been the biggest deer that I would have killed in my bow hunting, I guess you could quote unquote say career, you know, um, but they just never happened. And then, uh, for example, we had, when we went to Kansas, we, we drove to Kansas, we drove my truck and, uh, never had any issues with the truck or anything like that. And we get down there and we're struggling to find deer and we're in Kansas. It's the second week of November. It should be a no brainer. Right. And it's my second year back. I, I missed a 175 the year prior, so I was really excited to get back there. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. Um, but uh, we weren't only really seeing any deer, and then on the third day, we we hunted until what the afternoon. It was like mid morning, I'd, yeah. I'd say. And then we're like, you know what? We're just gonna regroup. We'll go hit the maps, and let's just let's just start over. Let's square, start from square one. Let's try to find a different place. Get back to the truck. It's like 10 start the truck up truck starts great put it in gear going down the road and i'm hitting the gas and it just the truck is going slower as i'm pressing the gas forward and i'm like this is not a good this is not a good problem to have and uh to keep it short um ended up having to tow the truck you know two and a half hours south and so that was a heavy bill and then had a pay to get a whole brand new transmission right in the middle of the trip oh. luckily everything worked out but it it caused us probably two and a half days of hunting you know it brings the morale super down and then you know it definitely threw me off my game you know and i'm trying to be you know the the positive <laughs> supporter you know motivator you know i've been out of state before and where this was her first time going out of state so it was it was definitely very difficult um we ended up getting the truck back and we found another spot and we literally walked onto a giant within like 10 yards and we had no idea that he was there. He didn't know we were there. And when we kicked him up, obviously it was too late, you know, and, uh, but he was a true Kansas monarch and didn't get a crack at him and had another deer come in that same trip and probably 40 yards just piled behind brush and trees and she couldn't get a shot and he was a pope and young deer i mean everything we ran into this year was awesome it just didn't happen you know so and it was right. kind of like it, we just kind of had those little problems all year long um <clears throat> and then same kind of thing in tennessee we found a little pocket spot it was actually behind a park and uh it's all public but People don't think that you can go there because the park's in front of it. Well, you're allowed to walk across the park, you know, and it's it's the only access point. And uh, so there was a ton of great deer in there, you know, three or four deer in there that were, you know, Pope and Young and, and, and bigger. And uh, which is what, 125 or bigger, 130 and bigger. And, uh, you know, we had a deer come in for her that, gave her three opportunities and we couldn't capitalize on it arrow reflect you shoot too high you, you miss one it deer's moving too fast you can't stop it you know i had one come in right before that where i had a gap it was nine yards and a little gap i just missed the gap hit a branch you stick it in the shoulder you know we end up tracking it for 
just about a mile, you know, just under two and a half hours. Dawn, you know, it's just kind of spiral rolled all the way one after another. You know, it was still a good season. It was just one of those where it's just like it never feels like it's going right, but you're putting all the best opportunities. And just it was it was definitely interesting for me. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you can definitely take something away from any encounter that you have or even any sit that you have. But it was it was definitely one of the tougher ones. I feel like for anybody. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Exactly. To have not only like setup issues, but then to have like full on mechanical issues when it comes to your rig going down. And then even just to, you know, so close, you can taste it. You can, you can almost just witness that arrow going through and something happen. Well, I am, I'm sorry to hear all that, but at the same (laughs) time, what a more rich experience to go through. And I think that's a, that's a mentality. I think hunters have to have, I forget, I forget who said it. But they said that hunters were inherently optimistic because if we did the same thing that we do time and time again to have sits where, A, we don't see anything, B, things are just, you know, teasing us just outside of range or we're having everything just seems to crumble in front of us, we would just stop doing what we're doing. But the fact oh, yeah. that we're we're out there for a greater good, we're out there for something much bigger than necessarily just taking the animal. I think that just keeps driving us back and back. It's oh, a for sure. sickness, I think, maybe. Maybe that's oh, what yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, for me personally, I've been to Kansas twice and came up empty-handed twice. So I'm like a glutton for punishment at this point. You know, it's inevitable. I'm, I know I'm going back no matter what happens, right? I mean, it can't get much, much worse than <laughs> – <laughs> than what I had to go through. So, I mean, uh, I would much rather have a season like that and have all those experiences, all those encounters, uh, miss after miss after miss than going through a season and, and not having an opportunity at all. Because every time, and I've told her, mm-hmm. who said it? I think it was, uh, I think it was Mark. I think I heard Mark Drury say at one time where hunting is, uh, 98% failure and it's 2% success rate, which can't be more true. You know, right. I mean, you, you literally fail every single time you're out there, even when it goes successful, you're like, well, that didn't go as planned, mm-hmm. but it worked out. Right. It, mm-hmm. It's very rare that it goes exactly how it's planned to the T, you know, whether it's, you know, you go in there, you're in your stand and you figure there's no way he's only going to come in here this way. And he's going to stay on perfect broadside and it's going to be amazing. And it's not the case. He's walking to you straight on directly under your tree stand and you're just looking at him. You know, there's, there's nothing you can do. So, yeah, it's, uh, it was still a good season. I had a lot of fun. That's good. That's good. Going back on your preparations too. And this one's going to be towards, towards Audrey. Um, as I was watching your Instagram, I saw a huge effort on your part on preparation. Talk to me a little bit on making arrows, getting your reps in. Cause as I'm following along, I'm like, this girl is at the fletching machine and she is putting on her <laughs> own veins. She's getting the reps down at the range. Talk to me about what preparation was like for you this year. So I definitely, when I got into hunting, I actually fell in love with archery and the 
in the whole beginning. So down to just, you know, the little things of like what fletchings go like faster, quieter, or any of that stuff. And it also helped that I worked in an archery store at the time. So I was around it constantly where I, I could shoot my bow whenever I wanted to, but it's definitely, I, I even didn't shoot my bow enough this year because I mean, it just, I, I just plain Jane didn't, but preparation is definitely key for sure. And I mean, down to building arrows, to making things quieter, to practicing from your saddle or tree stand or from the ground blind, wherever you're going to be hunting, it's, it definitely all adds up. But yeah, tack was another good opportunity. You definitely lose a lot of arrows there, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. All your hard work you see blow up on a, on an Oak tree. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now you guys hit two tacks this year. You hit the one in Tennessee and then you guys like, yeah, swiftly came right on up and joined uh, the Boyne, uh, Boyne Mountain edition. What did yes. you think about the Boyne one? Hundred times harder. <laughs> yeah, hundred times harder than the Tennessee one. Which I was very surprised. I don't know. I well, mean, we did. But. We did the prime course. Her. Which one was yeah. the harder one? No, no, it, yeah, we did prime the, in Tennessee, and then we did the. We did the Yeti course here. Yeah, we did Prime in Tennessee, and then we did the Yeti course here. Yeah. Yep, we had the Yeti course. There was also, they had the new knock-on course, and we didn't get to do that yeah, one. Yeah, we didn't do it either. No, yeah. they closed the that one down because of the zip liners. I was like, come on. They can yeah. they can ride that cable later. <laughs> yeah, the Tennessee one was, uh, it was really tough. The Tennessee one was, so you would hike out hike slow out up onto a ridge and then you would shoot across this super deep like saddle ravine right so you'd have a 60 yard shot straight across ridge to ridge and everything was shoot and pull arrow so you would shoot go down the ridge go up the hill pull the arrow go down go back and then you have to walk down to the next one on the same you're shooting on the same side and it was like switchbacks all the way down through Whereas, you know, you did the Boyne, the, the Boyne one. I mean, it's just an evolutionary mountain climb. My Lord, I was not expecting it. I would and say mountain. Chocolate. Here we are, the Flatlanders, you know, this yeah. is the yeah. biggest yeah. mountain. It, it ain't nothing compared to like anything uh, that you go out west or anything. But to us, right. it, it is a mountain. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was I, I was dead on, on the, the Boyne one. I, I got my butt kicked. Those it shots was, were so far for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was getting really, really mad. (laughs) I was really mad, but I mean, what do you do? You just have fun with it at that point. Yeah, we had a good time. Did you have a pin for 100 yards? Me? Either one of you. Did you have a pin for 100 yards? Well, well, I could adjust to 100 yards. Okay. I could adjust to 100. I think I I was actually sighted in all the way out to 70. And then I can adjust my pin to 100 yards, but I mean I don't. Yeah, I'm not campaigns. I don't practice at 100 yards. Nothing to take away from him. He's shooting amazing, but I, I I'll practice out to 60 yards, but I very rarely shoot anything under 20 or, or over 25 yards. I don't have clearance after like 55. Like my, I, I at that point, it's just 
point shoot guess. Like I gotcha. miraculously I shot the Yeti on on the uh Oh yeah, you did hit the Yeti. Prime oh, you got Sasquatch. Good good I on did, you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a long shot. Yeah, that um, was awesome. Our first year, yeah, we show up with 20, 30, 40. And you know, we're we go to the the practice range and we're like, where are the where are the closer targets? <laughs> like the farthest yeah. or the closest targets were like 40. And we're like, uh, boys, we're, we're not in normal Middleville anymore. We are, <laughs> we are outgunned and doing some of those courses, just like you did, where it was like, all right, just spray and pray. We just raise that riser up yeah. and, and try to get it there. We, we were talking about how we were going to put um, fish weights on a piece of fish line and hang that below our site housing. And that was going to help us like gauge <laughs> where 80 and hundred was at. like, this was our thinking. And it's just been an arm arms race since our first time. Cause yeah, now we've all got the adjustable sites and we're talking about trying to get uh lower weight arrows just so that we can, yeah, adjust out to a hundred. Um, we put a, we put a block out to a hundred and we, yeah, we purposely buy two dozen arrows so we can practice throughout the summer. Just yeah. my group of guys. Cause yeah, otherwise it's like you get to tack and it's like, Oh man, like I'm going to lose it anyways. I might as well oh, get yeah. my best shot. Yeah. So, but it is, it makes it fun because at that point you're just at that point, it's pure. Yeah. Pure archery at that point. Yeah. And for sure. Anything that you can do to dial yourself in to a hundred yards makes that 40 yard shot so much easier when oh, everything yeah, so, is on the line yeah. 40 yards you you view it as a chip shot now mind you a lot can happen in <laughs> 40 yards as you guys can can attest to even 25 where it's yeah. it, the oh, branch yeah. is right there and you didn't account for it and yeah you end up smacking it right well i got a i got a kind of a a question and answer here that that I want to go with you guys. And I've, I've entitled it chase versus taste in that the whole idea of, of hunters coming together is we share this whole bond around chasing animals. I'm out there chasing critters. You guys are out there chasing critters. We're giving lots of effort. We're, we're going for this, this goal of being able to bring down an animal and, we find that different aspects of this whole chase becomes like our passions, but yet they intersect. And one thing that I've noticed, at least on social media, is that people in one area of their passions, they highlight that and that must be the end all be all for everybody. Right. That it's going to be, I chase big deer, so everybody should chase big deer. Or I hunt public land and I hunt the hardest critters that I can get. So everybody's got to do that. Right. Or, uh, you know, us foodies on our end, we're like, hey, take I take the first available and I make do with it. Then everybody should take first available and make do with it. And I find that like so much is wrapped up into our own passions that we don't get a chance to pick our head up and look and realize that. Hey folks, we're all, we're all on the same page here. We're all doing amazing things through hunting, through fishing, through sports sportsmanship. But at the same time, you know, we we get lost in our own little tribes. I would say. I know tribalism is kind of like the key word as far as people grouping together with their own 
people who like and dislike things. But at the same time, I feel like we missed the point of the wider community that could we, we could be a part of. So I, I had some questions for you because I, I kind of differ in a little bit of, of how I go about things where, and I don't get me wrong. I enjoy adventure. I enjoy excitement. I enjoy working hard for something at the same time. If there's an easier way to do things, the lazy part of me is going to, is going to do that where I watch you guys. And it's like, man, we're going to, we're going to go down to Kansas and we're going to either, we're going to knock on doors. We're going to find access points. We're going to get on public land on very high intense ground to chase super big animals. And I kind of look at that a little bit. I'm like, man, what a, what a lot of effort wasted. But I think I'm missing the aspect of that's not being wasted. You guys are not wasting your energy. There is something you guys are going for. And so I wanted just to hear from, from your guys' heart. Tell me the big why of chasing, chasing hard to hunt deer. Why is that so addicting? You want me to go first? Yeah, you can go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a big question. I know. I, I said a lot, question. but at it the same time, I boil it down to why is why is chasing that hard-to-hunt buck so, so addictive? First, first, I'll answer your question, but first, let me, I want to publicly say this so that there's no miscommunication or understanding about what I do or what I can speak for her is what what she does or what we do together. Um, yes, I like to chase big deer. Okay. That is my goal and I'll get into that. But if a deer walks in front of me and the situation is very exciting and I'm excited, I feel very terrified for that animal because it's about to go down. <laughs> Okay, so if I'm excited and it's happening, I don't care. It, that doesn't bother me, right? right? Do I want X, Y, and Z? Sure. But if I'm excited, if it makes me excited and I feel good about it, it's happening. It's going down. It's over, right? So I just want to clear the air on that part. Um, so um, hunting big deer. So when I grew up, uh, my stepdad, you may know him. His name was Jerry Lucas. That was my stepdad. He owned yeah. Middleville Contracting. Um, you know, his son and daughters went to school with our school, whatever. Um, anyway, he was, a, and I didn't realize this until later on. He's, he's been passed for a, a handful of years now, but he was a public land deer slayer like without a doubt but i didn't realize that until i got older because i just wasn't into it as much but i can remember looking back like in the pole barn and it's a big pole barn i mean they're all over around here you know they're huge and around the whole inside of the frame is just all these small little buck euro skulls all the way around the inside part of the barn and I used to love going in there and seeing that, but it didn't occur to me that like, holy crap, like this is a lot of, a lot of deer. So he knew what he was, what he was doing. And I was like, man, it, you know, when I started to get older, I kind of was thinking back like, yeah, you know, he was a, he was a deer slayer, but was he just, you know, 
did he have to kill so many? You know, what was, you know, what was the purpose? And but I never got to ask him that, you know? So when I started to get back into bow hunting, I had, I had told myself from the beginning, okay, Hey, you know, one, why do you want to do it? One, I love venison. It's super clean. It's healthy. It's organic. I know where it comes from when it happens. I know where it's getting processed. I know who's doing what, if it's myself or the processor and we can get into more of that too but that was like the main goal right so then i recut my teeth back on that part of it and then once i had a couple under my belt then at that portion or that part of it i was like okay if i want venison but i'm not just going to take any animal it's still a life i still very much respect that and it means something to me well beyond hunting so you know i told myself okay you know if I'm going to shoot a buck, then he has to be bigger than the last one. I have to earn that right to be able to take it. So I made it a point to make it a goal for me to earn that for myself. So if I had shot an eight point at the time and it was, you know, X big, then the next one, if I was going to shoot it, he had to be at least that or bigger for me to earn that right to be able to have that gratification from the animal to give back to me. Right. If I'm going to, if I'm going to take it, then I have to earn it. So that's kind of how I started to get into that. And then, uh, then it got to the point where, you know, I started shooting, you know, for us, hundred inch deer is they're great deer here. Right. Well, they're massive. Right. They're, of inch. Yeah. yeah they're, <laughs> they're the size of Buicks. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, so for me in Tennessee, I was like, Oh yeah, hundred inch deer. Perfect. So I shot a few of those and then I was like, okay, you know, I can remember seeing another one when I was, you know, bow hunting. And I think it was like, maybe like the fourth one at that time. And I was like, well, it does excite me, but you know, he's, he's kind of the same as what I had before. So I'm not, not really that excited. So, you know, I'll just let him go on by. Whereas, you know, here it would have been, no, you know, no, no question. So Tennessee has some really good deer way better deer than I ever thought they had. Um, it's definitely a sleeper state. And then I started doing a lot of, you know, searching and scouting and, and then just the, the cat and mouse game of trying to pick out one specific big game. I'll just call it big game animal and trying to figure out that one individual is just, it's, it's so much more enjoyable to me. I would rather do that the entire season and then end up with one animal of venison and be completely okay with that versus it as much as I would love to pile the freezer full, it has to be able to fulfill, right? Whether that's me, maybe there's a 300 pound, I don't know, 300 pound doe out there. It's just like an anomaly and that's what I want. Then that's what I'm going to go for. And then I'm only going to stick to that. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's probably way different than what you got, but that's always different. But that's, we get a good, like I get your side and then you get my side. So it, it kind of works out pretty good. Good deal. I am. I love the quote that you, you said, and it was, I have to earn the right to enjoy that venison, or I have to earn the right to take that animal that you give the reverence enough to say like I'm not just going to whack them and stack them because that is I don't know for some others like there's a necessity for 
for taking many all to once. And, you know, who am I to, to say that that's wrong? But at the same time, I loved where you've gone to the depth of thinking that, you know, I'm chasing these critters. I'm going to earn the right in order to take that life. And then I'm going to give weight. I'm going to give merit to that life. It's not easy to take, nor should it be. And so I, I applaud you in, in that whole mindset. That is, that's wonderful. Appreciate that, man. It's, it's difficult here in Michigan because like there's a point where things get big and that's it. (laughs) You know, we've got there, there are big bucks here in Michigan. You just got to find them. But at the same time like that, there are guys willing to do to do that, to chase bigger and bigger animals and, and to wish for bigger and to then travel to find that bigger animal. And then there's another crowd that's, that's willing to, I don't want to say settle, but to be like content with what's in there their local environment. And so that that's a little bit where I find myself, but I, I love hearing that from you. I think that's a very profound statement. I appreciate that. Audrey in, in taking life as well, just from a, a woman's perspective, do you find this incredibly hard or growing up small town? Is this something that you just, life and death was something that you dealt with or is this kind of a brand new feat that you're ha- or that you're having to understand here on the fly so i would say it's it's actually kind of brand new to me because i didn't grow up in a hunting family nobody in my family hunted i you know had a few like acquaintances in you know middleville that i knew hunted i remember seeing camo on someone for the first time and was like whoa like that's not military that looks (laughs) so cool you know so yeah it's just it is kind of new taking a life though to get back to your question like (sighs) it's it's definitely something you can't really describe I don't, I don't really feel like I can describe it, but it's not, hmm, I don't really know how to answer it. I, I guess I kind of, I sort of like take myself out of like the aggressiveness of it, if that kind of makes sense. That like, makes I don't feel like I'm, out really to like kill something but that that is what i'm doing like i'm hunting for a reason and that is mainly to you know bring food to my table that's you know a big a big part of it it is a sport archery is a sport it's also a skill and it, it all all of that i love the i like the um what is the word i'm trying to find the not competitiveness but like the i can't figure out the word that i'm trying to find almost like a discipline where yeah you know the challenge that's what i'm trying to find (laughs) you know yeah yes i'm with you it is it's something that's just unworldly as far as i don't want to say unworldly it's very worldly it's kind of it's primal and to go from where maybe we weren't necessarily 
connected as close to nature as what we are now finding ourselves. That we put ourselves in these situations with a bow and with an arrow, sitting in a very wild place and having to put all the pieces together and to be able to to go through that act. Yes, I, I'm with you. It's one of those things like, yeah, you find yourself going through it, and then for a second you're like, what just happened? What definitely? What did I? What just? What did? What did we just do? The the whole idea of too like when I shot my first deer and you know, I, I call my buddy and I'm like, I shot the deer. And they're like, good. Where did it go? Couldn't tell you. <laughs> Where'd you hit it? Don't know. Like, was it a buck? Was it a, ah, it was an animal. Like, that, you know, like there was just so much that just had, like it flooded me. And I just, I was, I forgot it, even though yeah. it, was, yeah. it had happened 10 seconds before and everything like sped way up. And at that point now it's like, I I don't know. It was it was one of those things like I can't answer simple questions about simple things that just happened in front of me and yeah. how it was like, wow, what an experience something like, like that can be. Just wanted to take a time out and say thank you to the listeners for tuning in. It really does mean a lot. I would also appreciate that if you haven't already left a rating or review uh, to go ahead and do that. It all helps folks find us and get on board using and enjoying their wild game. Feel free to chat with us and ask questions either on Facebook, The Huntivore, or Instagram, at Huntivore. Got a recipe you think is dynamite and want to share? Or have some show topic ideas? Email us at Huntivore at gmail.com. For even more hunting and fishing podcasts by real, relatable sportsmen, head over to Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, which happens to be a 2% for conservation company, who give 1% of their earnings and 1% of their time helping out the wildlife and wild places we all love. Now, back to the show. So with this challenge that you guys are doing, you're chasing chasing these animals, you're going after these animals, where does the challenge end? At what point does you find where you can finally say to that chapter, the end? Is it the shot? Is it the recovery? Is it all the way to the freezer? Where do you find that the challenge of that animal finally ends? You want to go first? You want me to... Well, if we back up here just a little bit, I've only ever killed one deer, so I only have one under my belt. And that's a longer bow kill than I've ever had. So I really only have one experience to go off of. Yeah. Other than that, you know, at that point, the challenge was I made a successful shot and I didn't, I didn't hurt. I mean, obviously I hurt the animal, but I didn't make it suffer. He didn't run forever long. And then I never found him, which, you know, that's, uh, I'm, I hope that that doesn't happen in my bow time, but I'm sure it will. I know that it's happened to multiple people and it'll suck really bad, but right. It'll suck super bad, but you know, I think, putting the practice in and making a calculated shot and, you know, the whole 
follow through, even though things never happen exactly how they're supposed to, the challenge ends with the successful shot, packing the freezer, vacuum sealing your own bags. Like it's the whole process to me completes the challenge. I think if I were to answer, that would be my answer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I just want to quickly say I'm really, really, really proud of Audrey. Yes. She's only taken one, one deer and it happened to be an awesome buck. Um, and she's had multiple, multiple opportunities since then. And she's chosen to not pull the bow. You know, she's chosen a lot of times to not pull the bow up and, and, and take a shot and to pass on something that she's having a, is, is an enjoyable moment for her that she's ha- having a good time with it. So, uh, definitely proud of her for that. Um, but as far as, uh, where does it end? Man, I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever end for me. I don't know as in a big entire picture, you know, in the short process, sure. You know, I would say, you know, I had one specific animal picked out and, you know, a four year stretch of watching this one specific animal and you have all this information and this data and, you know, pictures and encounters and stories. And now someone else has got a story about them or pictures and someone else found out and then it all comes together and then it happens and then it's over. Right. And then it's, it's, you know, I I can remember the very, the first year that I got back into bow hunting, there was, there was this nine point, I called him El Jefe, the boss. And, uh, I can remember I I saw him immediately on camera and I was like, that's, that's the one, that's the one I want. That's, that's the one I'm going to go after. And it it wasn't a long history, but it was two seasons. So two years. Right. So, um, and then when it did happen, I was never more emotional than when that time happened. Once I took that animal's life and I walked and I, and I got to him, it was almost like, man, it almost makes you feel like, did I do the right thing? You know, I, it's kind of hard. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, you, it's, you almost feel sad about it a little bit, but you, you're happy you could be a part of that animal's life. And then like you guys are joining that one singular moment of silence and then everything else, you know, goes away. But as an overall picture, I don't know if the chase will ever probably will never stop. I would say there'll probably be a point where, um, if I, hopefully I pray, I become good enough where I can, uh, consistently, you know, chase after and be successful on a certain, certain game animal. And I would, I would assume that eventually at some point I would be like, okay, I've had enough of, of this. I need to move on to, you know, I don't know, bears, I don't know, and, and some, something else, right? Just something else that I could go down that path and try a new avenue. That's all, that's really all I can think of. I don't, man, I don't know. I don't like, I don't like that question. <laughs> I don't I was like so open-ended. It was on purpose. It was, on I don't purpose. want the chase to ever stop. I don't want it to ever stop. I like it. I like it means it. so much to me. 
what I'm hearing is that the chase is the challenge and that we're talking chapters here. El Jefe was a beautiful chapter that started this out. And a good portion of that chapter, it sounds like, is Hunter's remorse. It's a it's a real thing. I'm totally with you that, you know, you put that down and man, you you are filled with a, a whole load of emotion and regret sneaks in. But at the same time, there's a there's a thankfulness here. And mm-hmm. that's I look at that, too, as um you know, I, I feel those emotions even even after I don't want to make it sound like I've shot a whole ton of animals. I've only been, you know, 10 years I've been doing this and I can recall each of my experiences with animals that I have that I have killed. And just that moment, just as you were saying, when you walk up to that animal and it's a flood of this, this is a real thing. This happens. You need to own this this action and to then go to the lord and just be like thank you for for offering this opportunity i i put practice in to to take this animal i'm successful i'm joyful in that but i have a reverence here that this animal gave its life to in order to provide life for my family and really focusing on the food aspect where where my heart and gut comes from is that I want to fill that gut with the best and most amazing protein that I can find. And so being able to then bring that back to my family, that's, that's one of those things that I get through. Like the challenge doesn't end just with, for myself, the shot, but it goes all the way up until basically doing dishes where it's like, I want to make sure that I provide something that, you know, of that animal and use as much of it as possible. And oh, exactly yeah. trying to get those those three kids. They're not picky eaters, but there's times where I'm like, no, no, you will finish what is on your <laughs> plate because I cooked it. You will finish it. <laughs> well, and I can imagine, too, it, you know, we don't have kids yet. I'm sure that'll come down the road, but I can imagine for someone like you that does have kids and a full, you know, a bunch of mouths to feed a full on family. I'm sure, you know. If your wife and kids and stuff and they they didn't enjoy the wild game, then you probably wouldn't do it as much or, you know, but because they do, then you would or or because or because they do, then it probably puts now extra pressure on you to be able to provide a certain amount because that's the way that they want to live that's the what they want to eat that's what your now your wife is on board with the organic and the clean and all that so you got to deliver amen that makes sense. yeah yeah amen yeah, she's not on board with the hours the hours spent she does not appreciate that but at the same time like she that. does like <laughs> hey go grab a, a pound of venison out of the out of the freezer and it's like you bet there your you mama go. i'll i'll go get it there you yeah. go there you go but yeah, we put three in the freezer this year, and uh, nice. yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a day. You talk about that pressure too. I do feel that pressure, and so to go back, I'm like, what are my goal sets? What are my what is my challenge? What is my chase to start out and to put to find not find better terms, but like first doe that walks in front of me to play oh, yeah. the it's you know brown it's down to do that early October man, that takes a load of pressure off me. 
Because that point, now I can play the buck game. Now I can play the chase game of really honing in on on finding that bigger animal. Uh, but until that first one goes down, man, it's it's all about food. They're a little young yet, but I'm also, I can't, maybe I'm putting more effort on or more emphasis on it. I know I'm going to be a blubbering idiot when it happens. But when my, my boys already come to like, they'll get a chance, they go sit out with me in a blind on a ground blind. And so they've, they've seen deer on the hoof. We have not seen a shot on a deer yet. Um, but we're, we're exposing them to the idea of that we go on, on bunny hunts and, and squirrel hunts. I call them squirrel stomps because nobody's quiet. Nothing really gets, <laughs> gets maimed. We see a lot of things and we just go for a hike basically. <laughs> but to have, to have that experience, maybe one day where one of them decides I'm going to pick up this hunting thing and to down that first animal and to be with them at that experience. Like I, I can already feel myself just being uh, just tears. I can already imagine that, that happening, but it's like one of those experiences that I'm, I'm looking forward to so much, but at the same time, I want them to choose it. I'm not going to make anybody go sit in a stand, but I just, have you, it happens have, one day. I don't mean to take it a different, uh, another direction, but have you ever, have you ever taken a new hunter to the woods and, and, and watched them take an animal for the first time? Have you ever specifically had that yourself? I have been along with a hunter who he, he started on his own. He's a, he's an adult onset hunter like myself. And I, I mentored him from afar and it was basically more or less just out of, sheer schedules. I couldn't get over there to, to shoot with him, but he was asking me like, well, what should I shoot? And I said, well, you know, most guys start, start out with uh, a shotgun or, you know, now they got the four fifties, like rifle season to be there. He goes, well, I want to get into the, the archery side of it. I'm like, great, great. So I was talking to him about vertical bows and then he was like, well, I don't want right. to practice or nothing. It was like, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I did, I opened up the, the, uh, Pandora's box of going into crossbows. He was very excited oh, about that idea. I know like we can get into this later. This is, this is that passion thing we were talking about. Let's not start <laughs> cutting people out, but he was then able to, to hit a deer his first year that, it, that he was out there. And so I got to help go track and it led to nothing. And then we had another experience where we thought we had a hit. So I got to go out there and, and help him through that and basically go through with him the woes of this, this learning curve and trying to navigate him through this. And then I was actually, I wasn't, I was over near Flint uh, for some odd reason, but at that point he then got a deer and he did have a couple other friends that were there uh, to come and, and help him with that experience but to hear him over the phone and just have him like be so elated that he finally connected on an animal and to also have his, his son be interested in this and then to, to down his animal. Again, I wasn't able to get over there, but I got to FaceTime and help him uh, field dress the animal. So dad held the phone and I'm talking to the son on, well, you need to put your thumb into the anus and pull tight so that you can cut around it. 
And so here I'm telling a high school kid to put his thumb into the anus. And it was just, it was, it was a great moment, but at the same time to share it with those two individuals, a father, son unit to, I don't know, it was from afar, but to, to help them with that. Yeah, that is, it was super cool. And I did, I felt really, really fulfilled. He's, he's asking, what do I do with this cut? What do I do with this cut? And I am just more than elated, you know, Hey, here's like four recipes, do this and this and this, or, you know what, save that for, for this, this recipe, you know, do use this instead. And like to give him just a little bit of guidance on how to use that animal effectively. That's been, that's been really fun to do too. I love that. I love that. The, The reason I brought that up is because, uh, yeah, going back to you and your kids, I, Audrey is the only person I've ever had the chance to be able to have someone that was brand new and hunting and, and, and watch them harvest their first animal. And by far was, I was a thousand times more excited, exhilarated, happy. It was 10 times more enjoyable than taking one for myself. Uh, it was, it was so awesome. And, uh, I'm really excited for that day when you get to do that, like with your, with your kids, man, that's going to be a a really special moment. It is. It is. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring a whole, instead of the, the toilet people being there for the the track job, I'm going to bring a second one. Cause uh, yeah, dad's going to be wiping his ear, (laughs) wiping his eyes. There you go. Yeah. I just got something in my eye boys. Don't, don't worry about it. All right, so now we're let's get into what we're already here about. All right. Talking about the venison, wild game for you guys. Uh butchering the animal yourself is that is that something you guys have chosen to do, or do you go to a processor out of out of uh, convenience? Where where do you guys lie in the DIY butchering aspect? So this is new. Okay, this is new and not new in our world. Uh, when I when I was growing up as a young huntling, okay, <laughs> per se, um, is that is that a term? Huntling? It is. <laughs> it is now a young a young huntling in Middleville uh, under Gerald Lucas. Um, he always. And I don't know the rules on this stuff. So, you know, this is just what I went through. He would, the process for us when I was a kid was the deer gets shot. We field dress the deer, take the deer back, hang them up in the pole barn. And he hangs there for three or four days. It's cold enough. He hangs there for three or four days. After that, skin him down. And then we would make, you know, cut everything out, you know, quarter everything out, get it all on the big old, you know, plastic picnic tables. And then you start making your cuts and then bring it inside, clean it. Mom vacuum seals it. That's it. Yep. Okay. But I was young enough where, yeah, he just put things of meat. on. It was to the point where he just put things of meat on the table. I just cut it how I wanted it toss it in a bowl. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I didn't do partake. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what a, you know, a front leg, the front shoulder is or the rear quarter. I couldn't tell you the difference between the tenderloin and the, you know, a, a rear quarter cut. I don't I didn't know. When I was, so when I was in Tennessee, uh, I, I lived in an apartment for a long time. And so 
there was no space for processing per se. And I didn't really know how to do it. So I always took it to a processor and there was a part of me that was okay with taking it to the processor. I didn't have a choice. It is what it is. You know, it's 75 degrees outside. I don't really have a lot of time to make a decision. So something has to happen. Your apartment um, countertop is two and a half feet by you know, oh 18 gosh, inches. Yes. Like, yeah, you can't yeah. put an animal on that. Nothing. Yeah. So, so I had to do that for a long time and I didn't, I did not like doing that because one, I, I didn't, and I tried multiple places. I didn't like the facilities that I was dropping them off into. Yes, I get it. We're hunters and, you know, there's blood and, you know, animals are dirty and guys are dirty, whatever. But like the places were disgusting, but it was, they were the only options. So, you know, when you get, when I got everything back, you know, you're, I'm wondering like, is this the deer I shot? You know? <laughs> Oh, did my deer, you know, did my deer have blue tongue? You know, did it have, was there, you know, is all of this meat okay? I don't know. I don't know how to tell the difference. So there was always that question. Hey, is my, should I even be eating this deer? Is it edible? Is there something wrong? Or is it mine that I shot? Or is it this guy from three counties down? And, you know, this deer has some disease that I don't know about or something like that. You know, you don't know. Right. And then finally, we got to the point where on this last deer that I took this year, um, I made it a point. I, I promised myself that no matter where it is, where I'm at, what deer it is, doesn't matter the weather condition, quartering it out, quartering it out. I'm packing it out and I'm going to do it in my apartment. And so we I shot that buck and had like 30 minutes left of light and it was raining and dark and never quartered a deer out before. So I'd watch some videos on it. So, but still for, <laughs> that helps as it's dark. <laughs> yeah. But first, yeah. First time doing it, you know, so I'm sitting there, we're, we're tearing it apart, you know, quartering it out. And you know, the, the tension's high because I don't really know what I'm doing, you know, and, and then I look up and then there's like, seven sets of eyes in the timber brush 40 yards away and it's like okay well now i got coyotes here so uh you know what's next and had to stand up i stand up acted like a bear oh ran towards them and they, they took <laughs> off that was really fun uh but ultimately ended up quartering it out got it back to the apartment um i i, I liked doing it that way and I'm going to keep doing it that way until I perfect it so I can get all the meat. But in an apartment, it, it's almost, it's next to impossible. It's terrible. I definitely lost a lot of meat, which really sucked. Um, my, But the meat I did get, my cuts are super clean. Like everything's really nice. I really enjoyed that. I just don't, I did not have as much, right? Because I didn't know yeah. what I was doing. I've never done it before. So We'll perfect that and keep going down that road. And then, you know, once we get our living arrangements straight here in Michigan and have a house and stuff, then every one of them is going to go up in the barn and I'm probably not going to let it hang for three days. We'll probably do it that same day, but uh, get it all cut up and probably do it ourselves. I, I found out my brother, I can move back. Didn't know this the whole time. We moved back and found out my brother-in-law 
owns a butcher shop in Middleville. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? Maybe I won't do it. Maybe I'll just send it to him. At least I know I'm going to get it back and it's going to be mine. So there you go. It's not what you know, it's who you know when it's it comes to you know. something like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, hey, good on you guys for taking on yeah. that challenge. Because for someone who, again, who needs public land because they don't have land on the, of their own and to be basically renting a space in an apartment to child make this happen. I know that I was six months in an apartment, drove me crazy. Uh, as I first got married, granted, I wasn't hunting at that point, but just living in a basically a, a block stacked on a whole bunch of other blocks. I can't even imagine uh, doing that and trying to be a hunter at the same terrible. time. Terrible. One word. Terrible. Terrible. Unless you take the one back bedroom and just make it into like a Dexter scenario where you have plastic <laughs> taped yeah. all up. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, hey, we have come to the crescendo of our show, and that is the two dish breakdown. Okay, this is it. Steaks cooked medium rare. Can I get my steak cooked? Just want no question. You hungry? Hey, Ma! We get some meat loud! And that's where I'm going to need from you guys. I want you to break down a wild game dish for me that something that, you know, for Audrey in this case, it's going to be something of a new tradition that she's bringing in where something that she would enjoy around, I don't know, something in the winter, but uses wild game. And then same thing for you, Vince, something that just brings back a lot of memories or something that you just really enjoy come winter time when it's cold out, you need something that's just rib sticking. What are you making with your deer? Mm. Well, I got two things, but I think one is something that she really enjoys. Uh, for me, I'm a sucker for chili. So, cold, especially now being here, like being cold out, venison chili, all day long, every day, all day. I could do that all the all the time. Um, the other one, which she, I don't think she's even thinking of it, but so <laughs> you know, you got the summer sausage, right? You have summer sausage, man. Yep. Right. So, I like to take that. No. Oh. And I like to. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited now because we're using summer sausage in something. Yeah, we're using summer sausage, right? And the, the summer sausage needs to consist of obviously you know, your venison, cheese, jalapenos need to be in there, you know, a good little bit of fat, all that stuff. And she will, she'll slice them out in thick slices, right? Like two or three. That's all you need because it's plenty. And then she'll toss them into the iron skillet. And then she'll make like a, you know, almost like a breakfast sandwich with egg and cheese and and, and that. And if you have not taken your summer sausage and threw it in the iron skillet to have it, to eat it like breakfast sausage, you have to try it. it is, that's probably by far my favorite thing. I love it. I mean, there's fried bologna. And then there's now taking it the extra step of going right into uh, frying up the summer sausage on a, on an egg and probably like a little English muffin. 
You can't oh, yeah. go wrong with that. You can't no. go wrong. No, no, that's that, it. May be one of my most favorite things, to be honest. <laughs> Gotcha. Well, you were shaking your head there, Audrey. You're like, okay, yeah, it's a fun idea, but you seem to have something else up your sleeve. I So I really, I'm a sucker for breakfast and I really love to make just like breakfast sausage. So like, I'm going to skip right on past the (laughs) summer sausage and I'm just going to go ahead and make that, that breakfast sausage and then make it just a Mac daddy, big bagel sandwich out of it. Cheese, egg, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Do you make, do you mix it? Did you, have you mixed your own sausage or is this one that yeah. you've got uh, on order have, from uh, the processor? You have made it. Yeah. I, I'm mixed it up myself. It's always a little bit different because I never write it down, but it's, it's usually pretty good. Yep. That's, yeah. I, I try to do my best to write things down. And I, I made this as actually on, I was with um, the Fair Chase podcast. Uh, about a week ago and they uh they were asking what your resolution was for the year and i said well i should probably write things down more and so i got suckered into that because now their their whole audience is going to be like well nick said he was going to start writing more so now i'm stuck so anyway i should have some more recipes written up here this next year that i can uh they can be able to share but i'm excited to get into uh some breakfast sausage going on here find out something to do with that you've got me excited there audrey (laughs) Yeah. One last qu- question, though, Vinny. Uh, actually, I have two. Last question: uh, In your chili, beans or no beans? God, why did I know you were going to ask me this question? Because <laughs> you're you're close to Texas, and I have gotten into verbal altercations. I've been called colorful language by people from Texas because uh-huh. I put I put beans in my chili and proud of it. Okay. Beans or no beans? Venison chili has beans. Okay. Regular chili has beans. White chicken chili has beans. Beans, beans, beans. Good. Good. Welcome back to Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> we need that in there. Actually, and then yeah, here was my other follow-up question is at as I was preparing for uh this said uh interview with you guys. Not only are you choosing to chase big deer, but you're choosing to chase them on public land. And you've got aspirations to not only do this, but to then butcher your own animal. Are you sadistic enough that you want to try your hand at trad? What are you thinking? 100%. (laughs) I, yes, I do. Oh, this she's, is an Audrey I'm thing. Bow only, right here. Yeah, I've just never been around guns, so they, they they intimidate me a lot. And yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Trad is super cool. My stepdad shot trad. Um, I always wanted to get into it. I did dabble in it a little bit when I was a kid. Um, couldn't hit shit with it. So I don't know. Maybe you could teach me. Gotcha. Well, I can teach you to miss the broadside of a barn. That's that's <laughs> as good as I am. 
But Audrey, I'm excited for you to get yours as well and to get out there. You know what? If we're, if we're out here for chasing things and the harder we make things is going to make it sweeter on the back end of taking something. Hey, let's just have the sweetest uh, absolute protein <laughs> we can get out of that. That's exciting. That's exciting. Well, hey, this has been an awesome hour. I mean, it's it's just flown by. Um, tell me where we can find you guys uh, online. How can my listeners find you? How can we uh, follow along with uh, Chasing Public? How can we stay up to date on your happenings? You can go to Instagram. is is the main place where you're going to find us, and it's at Chasing Public. Uh, the YouTube link is in the bio. Uh, be patient on the YouTube. There is videos that are going to be getting made. It's just life has been in the way. They're just, it's just on the back burner at, at the moment. So, um, and then you'll see Audrey all over my stuff and you'll be able to, to see her stuff. And it's at Audrey Hogue. Yeah. Right. So, well, perfect. Perfect. Hold on just a second. You two, I'm going to send our listeners on out. Well, folks, this has been a fun, fun episode. Um, as we've ended our 2021 season and being able just to dig into some of these big questions as we go into 2022, the big whys, why do we do this? Why do we, why do we put ourselves hours of preparation? Why do we make hours of getting to the right spot and then ultimately taking huge drastic measures to down animal and take a life that we know has weight and by answering these why questions, it really does fuel our passions, either for food, either for adventure, either for the challenge of continuing to chase these animals that make us feel alive. It's just been a, a great, uh, great thing for us to be able to answer. And as we go into this year, let's continue to answer those big questions and to make sure that you always put beans in your chili. That's a must. That's not a why. That's a you should. And also, you should always keep your knives sharp.